let's well, let's not. Let's fly by the seat of our pants. We are completely off the rails right now. David does not have his notes in front of him. We can say whatever we want. Say something. Sean, say something. Who are you, Sean? Who am I? Um, yeah, I'm Sean Parkin. I'm the photo editor of the Surfer's Journal. And uh, this is a total surprise. Never um, recorded my audio or been on a podcast, but I just happened to, uh, I don't know, break down the door while these guys were doing their thing. How long have you been at the Surfer's Journal? Uh, going on like six or seven years now. I was uh, fortunate enough to work underneath the legendary Jeff Devine. I was uh, wondering, did you did you like depose Jeff Devine? Did you stab him in the back when yeah, he was looking? Yeah, I just kicked him right out the door. That's exactly, perfect. Exactly. That's the way to do it. No, in fact, I think he was the one that tricked me. I didn't realize he was looking to retire. Um, but I got in there and, and, and I guess got okay at my job. And he felt comfortable enough. He's like, all right, time to go. Do you singularly individually alone pick the covers or is it a group thing? No. What, uh, I mean, what uh, is you, what percentage do you have of the weight uh, in terms of what covers get chosen? I mean, I'm, I am the photo editor, so my opinion definitely holds some weight. Um, but you know, it is a team. We got an editor and a managing editor, creative director. Um, so everyone's got an opinion and it's such a subjective thing, but, um, I, but I'd say more a, weight? a percent. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I, well, I mean, not to say that, let me rewind. Um, yeah. So basically I, I, I'll tee up a handful of pictures that I feel could be the cover. Okay. You know? So it's not like everyone is like put piling in. So you're so the, I'm, I'm teeing it all up. And so anything I'm showing to the group, I would be, I would be cool with. And so you then, run the primaries. Exactly. The, uh, I gotta say, uh, the covers and this is going to totally sound like blowing smoke, but the journal I think has always had good covers or at least uh, compelling covers, covers that make you stop and look. Do you agree, David Lee? Completely, yeah. Uh, I think in the last couple of years, it's ramped up to like ridiculous degrees of <laughs> a, every single one feels like an iconically singular image. Uh, the ones that jump out to me, the Mikala Jones, you know, light glistening inside the barrel shot from two years ago, let's say. And then the most recent one, the Cliff Capono at in Oahu at mm -hmm. Honolulu. I thought yep. Waikiki. I thought the Dion one aerial, oh, yeah. like from the air, was super fantastic. Yeah, yeah. There's a few others in the last few years that stand out in my mind. But uh, yeah, the McCalla Jones one. I'll, I'll go back and speak to that. That was actually my first cover as photo editor, so that was a really cool and proud thing for me. You know, it was just happenstance that McCalla just, you know, he came through and the timing was right. But it was a great way to like, hey guys, I'm the photo editor now, and here's like one of our best covers that we've had in a while. So Seriously. it felt real good to do that for sure. Yeah. Um, as, as far as the, you know, the cover picks, I, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I'm biased, of course. I'm on the inside, but I feel like the last few years have been pretty good. Um, I think it has a bit to do with, with um, social media, to be honest with you, uh, because people are so quick to put out their great surf shots uh, online. It, it kind of forces us to dig a little deeper. Not to say that we don't ever publish things that have, you know, haven't been seen, but um, it just it forces us to do harder work because a great surf shot is no longer good enough for a cover. You know, we pass on on cover shots all the time because it's just it doesn't stand out and through the barrage of of imagery that we see every single day. We got to like one up ourselves. It feels like so you're fortunate in that you have the position of photo editor at the magazine, but there's a lot of professional surf photographers who don't have that security and are submitting that level of work that you're talking about and just 
it's getting pushed aside and there's nowhere for it to live. What does that look like? What does it look like? What's the landscape for a professional surf photographer at this point? And do you have advice for well, what pivot they should make to make a living? Um, <laughs> surf, surf photographer is, you know, I, I hate to sound, you know, negative or cynical, but it's almost not a thing anymore. Right. Um, it's just not sustainable. I mean, we, we've all, you know, read and heard about what's happening with the major companies, you know, buyouts and, and, you know, chopping blocks, team riders getting cut, all this stuff. So that also affects, you know, photo buyouts and, you know, you know, marketing dollars that are being spent and all that. And, and a lot of times companies would, would rather use their, like, you know, um, they, they've got an assistant graphic designer who's pretty decent with the camera would go shoot the photo or, you know, there's a lot of, um, amateur kind of, um, you know, set, set, this is my second job. I love to t take photos and to see my photo in, you know, in print with my name on it is like the greatest honor, so, but they don't care to get paid because they're getting paid at their normal job. And, and that type of thing. And over the last like 10, 15 years has really brought uh, just the feasibility of, of income for the real professionals down. Um, so in terms of advice, honestly, I'm still figuring it out myself as it's a changing landscape all the time, but you know, I wouldn't put all your cards in, in the surf photography basket or eggs rather. Um, it just be the best photographer you can, you know, like a great photographer should be able to not just shoot surfing, but should be able to shoot, you know, a campaign for a company or, you know, that you have to kind of get outside the surf world a little bit, uh, mm. to, to make real money. That's not to say that there isn't going to be an opportunity for one surf photographer to just like rise to the top and just absolutely slay. There are opportunities for that. But it's also, a, you know, a major commitment to a certain type of lifestyle. Um, if you've got family and stuff, it's not might not be as, as well suited to you. Just because to be that person that's on top, you're going to be on the road constantly, all the time. Yeah. Well, you started out by saying that you invaded our space, but it turns out we invaded your space. <laughs> We're at the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center. We use their library to record in. Uh, what are you doing here and why? Yeah, this is one of my favorite parts of the job, actually, coming over here and spending time because just the, the treasure trove that is that is just awaiting in every corner of this building, it's pretty amazing. The library itself is, uh, you know, full of books and magazines. Um, right now I'm looking for a nearly 100-year-old text um, that should be here somewhere, but I can't find it. But in any case, such a valuable resource on, you know, ancient Hawaiian stuff, um, you know, to, you know, the photo books of all the legends of our time to hardbound collections of every surfer, surfing, longboarder, um, every magazine basically that's been put out, even internationals they have here, which is really, really great to have, but more so the physical slide collection. They have some mm. really cool, um, slides that I get to look through and that's a, feels like quite a privilege because yeah. it's full-time capsule and just so many legends are, are living in these, in these, uh, slide sheets over here and you guys are right across the street surfers directly Journal. across the street yeah. yeah i just you know walk walk literally down the hill and um where do you get your surf content from nowadays what about <sighs> we'll news? take it from anywhere come on you mean surf content in terms of you, oh you personally my consumables yeah i got gotcha, you i'm, gotcha. I'm sitting right here fyi <laughs> just in, in, in case you didn't notice <laughs> Well, um, gosh, you were blowing smoke my way, but I'm going to blow it right back. Honestly, that's some of the most entertaining reading in, in surfing, um, is, is the grit, honestly. Just put um, a tear in my eye. Yeah. In terms of media, honestly, I try and block out a lot of the noise. Um, I, you know, anything that is, 
you know, real interesting and sideways and different, I'm going to, I'm going to hear about it on the grit. Um, most of the time, honestly, Instagram will link to other interesting things happening. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not perusing all the surf websites and things like that necessarily. Do you subscribe to any magazines? No, I do not. I don't uh, have to pay for the Surfer's Journal. Do you subscribe to any non-surf magazines? Um, I wish I could say yes, but no, I don't. I, I'm not. I'm not a magazine subscriber. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's a wrap. Crazy how times have changed. It's over. Do you watch surf videos? I don't think they'll ever go away entirely. You know, I think the more magazines close shop, the more the ones that remain will will hold value as long as they're putting out good products. Obviously, yeah. I mean, it felt like the journal pivoted to that so much, like before the apocalypse that and becoming a coffee table book kind of thing that's something that you want to save and hold that when the when the apocalypse did come it was just like oh yeah you didn't have to change at all maybe well that was the foundation of the magazine that was when when pesman steve pesman um and debbie founded the thing um it was a totally different ethos that they that they that they started building that foundation on and and the quality was there from the get-go as well in terms of print quality and and the purity of, of the content and whatnot. And I think it's the business model that they built it on that has allowed it to survive. Mm. You know, we're not a, we don't rely on our advertisers. We have six sponsors that stay with us the whole year, at least a minimum of a year. Um, and we don't have to sell half page and quarter page ads to make it up. You know, we sell to our, we sell subscriptions. If you subscribe to the journal, um, you help us to keep it going, you yeah. know? Um, so please subscribe to the Surface Journal. Yeah. Um, give it as a gift for your dad on Father's Day. It's a great. I get it as a Christmas gift every year. Yeah. And you uh, get it as a Christmas gift or give mm -hmm. it? Get. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. who buys it for you? Uh, my employers. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's cute. Yeah, it is. I always appreciate that. Yeah. So the apocalypse that, that we're enduring, um, you know, it's. It's, it's not a, you know, we're not happy about, about um, other titles going away at all. You know, it's not like all that money is just going to be coming towards us. It's a, it's a healthy landscape when there's competition, oh, yeah, different totally. titles and things. But ours is just a different model that, that might be better suited for um, the long term here. Well, I think the model was always um, tight. You know, it was just kind of like, we don't need to be the biggest. We're just going to cater to our audience and be profitable and have expenses managed and and I think in the last, in addition to the cover picks and, and things like that, um, in the last handful of years, I think it, um, due to a bit of a regime change, I suppose, uh, around the same time I came in as photo editor, we got a, a new really savvy uh, art director, Jim Newitt, and he and I literally started the very same month, and we also have a new publisher in Brendan Thomas. Um, so we all came on around the same time. Um, Steve and Debbie are still very involved, but they have pulled back a little bit. Brendan is a publisher, has been for years now. Um, but I think having that youthful influence of us 30-somethings in there um, has, has helped to, I think, broaden our, our, um, our, our demographic a little bit. Maybe, it, maybe it's a misconception, but, you know, I, I growing up and I was a teenager and stuff, I always liked looking at it, but it also, I wasn't all that interested in the so-called horse and buggy features, vintagey things felt like it was more for, for old guys. But, um, now I think, you know, we have a more broad range where we stay contemporary, but we also look to the past as well. Um, so it's kind of serves up something for everyone. Yeah. I'm a fan. Fantastic. Well, Sean, thank you for chiming in. You're welcome to sit in as we discuss this week's biggest news in surfing, arguably the biggest in the year, biggest news in surf history. You think? No. 
<laughs> what is that news? Do you give two shits? Let's be honest. I'm going to come right out of the gate and say, I don't give two shits. But Elo is your whipping boy. You should is. care more than anybody. I moved here. The problem is I moved past Elo, but I need to come back now. I feel that Elo is a story I've already told. Uh, and now I need to come back and revisit it, I guess. I wonder if Elo felt that like, oh, check. I'm less in the media spotlight. I need to make a huge move to get back into well, so the headlines. Between you, that's what this is about. Between about you, career. you, me, and Sean here, only between us. Uh, Elo sent me the announcement personally, so I heard it from Gen C initially. I was sitting there working on a shark story, dutifully, <laughs> dutifully. T- I'm going to say one thing about sharks real quick. I've been real proud of myself this whole week for sharks, as I just ramp it up and ramp it up and ramp it up. You know what's happening here? I am historically important now in that it is the first time, the first and only time in surf history that some, a surf brand or body has both grown and shrunk the number of people surfing at the same time. Imagine that. Imagine that beautiful, beautiful thing that's happening. It's pretty, we are getting more and more and more beach grid is exploding in readership. Also, I feel very comfortably that the number of people surfing thanks to beach grit is going down, 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 down. It's an impressive feat. Amazing. And you stated that as the goal. Exactly. And that's the goal is executed. That's happening. Wow. That is happening. Are you counting the number of people in the lineup? Is that how you have that number? Well, I just have to feel that sowing that much fear and mistrust and unease of all the vows of all the people who aren't like really super committed to waking up in the morning, even when it's cold, putting on the damp wetsuit, you know, I'm giving them, all they need is a tiny shove not to go surfing. And I'm, I feel that I'm giving that to them daily. I, I thought like three times a day. Appreciate it. I, <laughs> I thought that there would be a reveal three years down the road that you were getting paid by the wave pool companies. Oh, I mean, maybe hopefully that will come also. Hopefully that reveal. You don't is, want to fess up? <laughs> no, I mean, not yet. Okay. Someday. It's but in the contract. You're not allowed to. I'll have to start dumping sharks and wave pools. But anyway. How does Elo- the Surfer's Journal feel about um, losing traction to all these shark stories? You guys want to get in the shark business? <laughs> the shark business. It's a great business. The shark business. Yeah, I can't, there was one just recently off Santa Barbara. Gosh. Yeah. The one that hit off Santa Barbara Island, right? I mean, yep. off uh, Santa Cruz. Off or, the yep. islands. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. Or whichever island. Well, I mean, we can even say the island now. There's shark attacks out there. We can say exactly what the spot was yep. and make less people go there. I think less people were already going there. There was word was getting out because that was a not an isolated incident. There was a lot of uh, shark activity from from my friends that have uh, spent a lot of time out there. Let me know that guys kind of knew like this is probably a spot we shouldn't be surfing for a little while. Yeah. I was I was out there uh, maybe six months ago, and it is so freaky. Like getting into the water there is <laughs> positively freaky. Yeah. The ocean's alive, no doubt. No. Yeah. Lots of sea life out there. Yeah. But Elo, 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 Elo. So Gen C, I was working on a shark story. Gen C saw a text pop through. <gasps> Elo is CEO. And I'm like, no, uh, while well, like half interested because I'm engaged with the shark. Um, but then I was like, no, well, send me the, how do you know? She said, it's a presser just sent through. And I was like, okay. And she said, I just emailed it to you. So I went downstairs, looked at my computer, saw Gen C's email, 11, 14 AM or whatever. 11.13 a.m., right before Gen C, was one from Eric Logan himself. He had sent me the press, personally sent me the press release, um, and then emailed me later that night and said, 
just to let you know, you were the very first person that I sent this to. Wow. Yeah. Did he have a personal note with that? Yep. Yeah. 1113 sending? Yep. Yeah. It what was like, uh, thanks for, thanks for what you do to keep this funny or something like this. Something, something totally gracious. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Um, so we didn't see Elo on Instagram for over a month. And then boom. So this is what he was Two months, to. I think. Yeah. Two months. Yeah. I think it was start of November all the way through to the start of January. It's a pretty big comeback. A chunk. But yeah, coming back as CEO. So yeah, I, it's rude to say I don't give two shits. I just, I don't know, to be honest, I felt that I never talked about Sophie Goldschmidt. I never thought about Sophie Goldschmidt. I didn't, Elo, in my mind, has always been more or less, he didn't have the title of CEO, but he was the one who was putting himself out front at least, right? And so now to to drop the title of president of content media studios, et cetera, and replace that with CEO seems purely you know, academic to me. Is he the third CEO of the WSL? We had Paul Speaker. We had, he's the third. Paul Speaker, okay. Sophie Goldschmidt, and now Eric Logan. Um, how do we, let's give Sophie a progress report or- a final yeah. exit. Uh, I mean, I'll give, in terms of the competition side, I'll give her pretty good marks. You think? Sure. I mean, she the tour kept going under her <laughs> under her reign of terror. Like, see, that's the thing. Is I, don't, I don't attribute the positive wall of noise or the wall of positive noise or any of this to her. Right. I think she was a, or, who knows what I know, but in my outside, outside view, she was a nuts and bolts kind of, CEO. She had worked in nuts and bolts, rugby, nuts and bolts, tennis, not, you know, in sporting professional leagues and associations. Um, and I saw her just as, you know, she, the tour continued under her, under her reign, the tour continued. I'll give you a list of things that she accomplished. I know she's equal pay. Hired Elo. Mavericks going away. Hired and fired backwards Finn Beth. Yeah. I mean, did she fire backward fins? Backward fins, dude? Backwards you, Finn? I don't know. I mean, I don't know if the BWF Beth. I don't know if BWF got fired or left. Or um, well, Sophie brought on the wave pool. Sure. In terms of an actual asset to the WSL and then on to the, the tour itself. She ended lowers in Fiji. Yep. Uh, we probably... I would argue we probably saw an increase in viewership under Sophie. Sure. But I might also argue a decrease in profits and maybe even revenues. But Nick Carroll, Nick Carroll has made the big claim uh, on the Beach Creek comment boards that he feels, and I don't know what he knows, but he claimed that the tour, each one of those uh, stops now is running either break even or making a little bit of a profit. And he said the initial investment is not getting recouped. That's like, you know, there was a 30 or $40 million to kick this thing off uh, that, you know, that's not getting paid back at the rate it's going, but he was claiming, claiming, and I don't, this seems like a big claim to me. Does, does it not to you? Well, it does to me because um, those events used to be subsidized by sponsor dollars Precisely. and they're by and large not sponsored anymore. When you got, when you have barefoot wines as, isn't barefoot wines one of the titles? They're not titles though. They're just buying commercial space. I mean, but who are, I mean, I mean, yeah. That's why I'm curious is what, what does Nick know that we don't know if the Corona open used to be the billabong? Maybe, maybe they're getting enough on their served ads on their Jeep ad interstitial stuff. Maybe more enough people are watching yeah. uh, where that revenue actually is meaningful now. Yeah. Like those 30 second breaks, I guess maybe, I mean, I can't, maybe but that they had, plus. They, yeah. They always had those in the first place. I mean, we, we don't know, I guess any of the numbers, so it'd be hard to really numbers. speculate. Um, 
I'm wondering too, if when I look, I mean, how long was Sophie CEO? Two years, mm -hmm. about two years or, or th maybe three. So you know how, um, sometimes they'll bring in a CEO just to do all the blood, like the heavy lifting sure. and just yeah. bonus them out. And like, they're like when C when, um, Quicksilver is going through a bunch of shifts, they bring in Andy Mooney. Andy, Mo Andy Mooney was such a fucking kook though. Andy Mooney. That was, was the point, but it's he was like, a, but he was also a failure. Andy Mooney was, which I don't, I don't think Sophie was a failure. See, I think they brought Andy Mooney in specifically just to do the bloodletting. Yeah. Hey, we've got a bunch of ugly work to do. Let's bring this guy in. Who's from Disney. Nobody has any attachment to, He'll look like the bad guy, but we'll pay him handsomely for it. He'll get rid of all this stuff, fire all these people, and then we move him aside. I mean, the things that I just labeled that Sophie is known for are kind of ugly tasks. I'm wondering if, aside from equal pay and aside from the WSL Pure initiative, I mean, yeah. everything else is kind of just ugly, heavy lifting. Yeah. And I wonder if Dirk Zift had this longer term plan. He goes, hey, we need a temporary CEO that we could put in this position just to do the ugly work for two years and then we'll push her aside and bring somebody in who has actual passion. Surf. Yeah. Passion. I hate to even say that because we're talking <laughs> about Elo, but somebody who has some sort of like skin in the game. Well, and I mean, Elo is a, Sophie always seemed very, very reticent to want to be in the spotlight. Like she never, ever, ever, totally. of or course, at least didn't appear to want the spotlight. Whereas Elo seems not that he necessarily wants it, but seems very, very comfortable. And I'm a, yeah, I, wants I, it, right? I, I would argue he wants he it. He wants it, yeah. yeah. Which which so he's your Steve Jobs style CEO, the guy who's who's, you know, which I think uh, you know, I don't know much about CEOs, but that seems like a archetype, right? Yeah. And for the WSL too, that archetype probably fits the way they want to go better than a quiet, you know, uh gear turner behind the scenes. This seems obvious to me in hindsight. And I don't know why it wasn't initially. Um, was Elo hired to, gro to yeah. be groomed for yeah. CEO? Yeah, because I mean, Elo took a downgrade in job title sure. and prestige. Yeah. I mean, he was running. President of OWN. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So to go, first of all, OWN's bigger than WSL, will ever be. Yep. And then president down to just managing a division yeah. is a downgrade. I hear you. And he was so, only he's only been, what, uh, president of content media and studios. Was it only a year? I'd say a year. Yeah without looking at one year. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it makes sense that this was the initial, the move from the get go. I'm wondering though, what's the move from this point on what's Elo's. Well, see, here's the thing. I mean, so here's all, all the between the lines, everything that I've read, every bit of, you know, everything that I've seen is that the WSL is continuing to position as a media company with a professional, professional surf tour, as a component to that. Right. And the professional surf tour is there to sell shows against or sell other things, other media against, right. It's not the end all and be all of the league. The tour only exists as a loss leader, more or less, or according to Carol, a break even leader to sell media. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I don't, that's just going to continue on and on and on. The question I guess I have see again, back to when I, when I heard the news, I thought, oh, fun. But I really honestly couldn't even get it up. Like, I was like, oh. It's shocking to me. It was shocking that I couldn't get it up? Yeah. But I told every story. That, what other story is there left to tell about Elo? See, now, well, now to there's go, a whole new slew of stories. What? What? What is Elo? What? Like, how can Elo be poked and prodded and kicked and laughed at and or engaged and whatever we want to do with Elo? 
we've done it. And so, and maybe the shortcoming on my part, and it's time for me to go sit seriously and think, okay, how to re-engage the WSL. I've sort of, I've, I unplugged from the WSL, to be honest, mentally. Like I, I I can see that. I thought they are what they are. You know, there's, there's very limited, I can kick and prod and we can, we can joke at their expense. Um, But beyond that, there's never going to be any real partnership here or anything. You know, I felt that I gave a real college try and maybe it wasn't a very good college try, but first meeting Elo, I thought, okay, we've as beach grit, you know, represent this part of the community. Uh, the, you know, for lack of a better word or for exactly what it is, the grumpy local that, you know, the real, Oh man, I just, I'm so tired of talking even about this, but you know, everybody fucking knows what beach grit represents, right? Which is not what the WSL represents and not who the WSL is looking to inspire or to, you know, grab their attention, right? They have their attention. They have our attention. There's 18 of us. Great. All fine and good. And so initially when Elo first came on, when we first did the podcast with them, all that, I was wondering, okay, is there a way to marry these things, to marry the grumpy local and the Santa Monica Dirk Ziff world surf league thing, right? And I felt that I gave it a real open and honest try and came to the conclusion that no, there is not. That the core surf world, the grumpy local is the grumpy local and the grumpy local needs to be protected from this fucking corporate thing, right? And so disengaging from what the WSL is, not the product they produce. I'm so happy to continue to engage the product they produce, but in terms of actually trying to marry these groups, I'm finished. And not only am I finished trying to do that, I think that it's a giant disservice to the people I actually care about, which is the grumpy local, which is the person who surfs because it somehow saves their nasty, crusty little life. You know, it's these people who love surfing with all their hearts. Now I feel my job is to protect, not, not, you know, who am I, who elected me to do this? But that's what I feel is I want to protect those people from the corporate whitewashing inevitably that will happen at the WSL. That's happened already. I mean, that, again, I've hammered on the wall of positive noise forever and ever and ever, but that is an egregious, ugly, hideous thing. The fact that surfers, surfers, cannot speak freely. And I'm not talking about like jokey 189 or any of that stuff, but just that surfers themselves there, that what they become, that Ron Blakey and Strider Wazalewski, and I'm sure one time engaging funny men. Look at the blood we watched in real time in our lives, the blood being drained from 89 world champion, Martin Potts Potter, a man who was a example of fire and of full-throated, you know, roar. We have watched the blood drained out of him over the years and replaced with some synthetic blood. I don't know what he is. I don't know who that man is. Sitting there moaning slowly about whatever he's moaning about, right? Where that to me is what happens with any kind of relationship with the World Surf League. And I'll only exist to, to destroy that wherever I see it. From this point on. So all to say, and a rambling roundabout way to say, fuck Elo, and I don't care about the World Surf League. So you said in that rant that um, you're there to protect the people who love surfing dearly. Yeah. Elo loves surfing dearly. Yeah. I'm I'm there to protect the people who love surfing dearly who started surfing. <laughs> when they were a child. 
How does he not fit into? I mean, he is the most. He is, and 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 great. And Elo can go carry the banner for the Val, uh, but fuck the Val. So I mean, damn it. It's a it's a real horrible position to take because it is. It's a it means that surfing, but surfing is it's exclusive. It's exclusive, and the way it stayed exclusive through the years is not everybody's invited. And you have to the barrier to entry, the barrier to entry to get in. Anybody can get in. I'll say anyone can get into surfing. Uh, of course, obviously, like nothing made me special. I was a kook from Oregon, right? But seeing it and grabbing it with both hands and going through the abuse, the abuse, the abuse, the abuse, the years and years and years of abuse. And I still feel, you know, timid about calling myself a surfer. Whereas you have somebody from Oklahoma who comes in, Elo, who I feel put on his wetsuit that he talked about being his magic armor and felt like a surfer directly straight away overnight, right? Where that's to me, I'm glad that Elo loves surfing. I'm glad that he's passionate about it. And I'm glad that he can be the standard bear for the Val and open up this wonderful suit of armor world for hundreds upon thousands of lost souls. I'll be on the other end, scaring them away with sharks. And <laughs> so I'm going to argue for Elo. Yeah. He has a bigger plight than you and I ever did. He had that much fear of the ocean and swimming and all that sort sure. of thing. So he actually jumped a larger hurdle than I, you and I. And then also... He surfs more than you and I. Oh yeah. He surf and he gets up earlier than you and I. He puts in harder hours, not than we have in the past, but more than you and I are doing right now. So what what will it take for him to transition from Val to become the crusty local? You want to know the best Catholic and the only Catholic? The bad Catholic. It is the Catholic, and I'm not saying acting bad, I'm saying the Catholic who feels bad. Because that's what all of this is. This is a and oh damn it, I'm making surfing spiritual now. What's happened to me, Sean? Through this argument, I'm going to turn you into what Ela. has happened to me. No, but what, like this, I'm, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but here we go. This, this way we wrestle with surfing, I wrestle with surfing daily. Do you wrestle with surfing? Yes, but so does Elo, is my argument. Elo does never once wrestle with yes, surfing. Yes, he does. Elo that, does. That's his suit of armor. He can't get in the water without the suit of armor. Yeah, he got in this. He he saw he Elo didn't wrestle with surfing. Elo vanquished his demons. That's a that's a whole different thing. Surfing is my demon. Surfing is what Elo used to vanquish his demons. So now he's out there preaching the gospel, the sunny gospel of surfing. Come one, come all, be healed by this beautiful salt water. Glide down the wave on any craft you choose, be it a sup be it a foil, be it a mid-length. Just come and splash and have fun. And hey, when you're done splashing and having fun, flick on ABC's Ultimate Surfer Competition. Let's see who's there to win. You know, all this kind of stuff. Where on the other end, I, I feel, as I'm sitting here, in the being tormented by surfing, a lifetime of torment. Look at myself in the mirror when I wake up in the morning, thinking I am a 43 year old man. And you know what I am? A surf journalist. Shame, shame on me, shame on my house. I have work to do. The waves are fine. I'm, I'm gonna blow it off and go surfing. I hate myself for doing it. I can't stop doing it. Like this, the torment that is surfing. I think there's, yeah, that's that's the difference between me and Elo. You're so, a junkie. Exactly. We are junkies, so, I feel. And Elo is not a junkie. Elo, <clears throat> Elo 
was a junkie of something. I don't know what it was. I steal and lie and sneak out of the house just to get your fix. See, I think creepy, dirty dirt bags is what we are. Is the difference though, his evangelizing of it? It's not so much. It's, it's, uh, both because he's chasing the same dragon that you guys are chasing. I don't th- but I don't think it's a dragon for Elo. I think it's Elo has, I'm sure a tacit understanding with his wife. Like this is, you know, Hey, you know me, I need my water time. Of course, honey, go get it. Right. We're not that I don't have that. I mean, not that my wife has ever once said, given me even a halfway cross eye if I've gone surfing, but there's, I don't think Elo wrestles with surfing. Look at how yeah. silly this is to wrestle with surfing, to wrestle yeah, with yeah, the yeah. stupidest thing I get thing that ever. part. But the part for me that is the more offensive or egregious part is the evangelizing of it. Like finding it yesterday and then posting Instagrams about it today. And, you know, like we've talked about in the past with kooky photos, essentially. Sure. Like photos that if you've been around long, like you know this isn't quality, that poo stance, Bronco stance, you would never publish that. If you came from the world of magazines where there's a, there's a vetting out process, you would never ever publish this photo. And how do you not know that this is embarrassing? Sure. That part of it is the, offensive to me. That too. But, and I guess at some level, I mean, so moving forward. Okay. Right. Again, okay. Elo, yeah, yeah. Elo as the standard bearer for the Val. And let's just say for totally egotistically, let's say beach crit as the standard bearer for the grumpy local. Right. Or, okay. Uh, I mean, I can't think of another. Who would be the standard bearer for the grumpy local? Can you think of a person? Mm. Mickey Dora? Yeah, it's a dated example, but yeah. I mean, Bobby Martinez. Sure. Okay. So whatever it is, right? I mean, I guess the grumpy local does not have a standard bearer. The grumpy local is there struggling each in his own way, you know, with this thing of surfing, with surfing. I don't know why I'm making surfing such a struggle today, but it is, isn't it? Isn't surfing a, Sean, is surfing a struggle to you or is surfing a a piece of freedom? It's both. Of course. It's a piece of freedom when you're out there, when you've got a good session happening, when you're out there with the boys or when it's glassy in the afternoon or whatever, but everything else is a struggle. It's like, how do I balance my, my need for this with responsibility and family and, and everything else? And it's, and they don't really mesh well together unless you're a professional surfer or somehow getting paid for that. It's like, you know, every, every time, every, every hour I'm in the ocean is, is an hour. I'm not being productive. I'm not spending time with my kids. I'm not, you know, doing anything that society would feel is, is, is a productive, but I don't need to tell you, you know, it's, it's necessary. And it's worth it. Every time you get out, you're psyched that you went. I can't be without it. And yeah, my wife sometimes will, will force me to go surfing because I'm in a bad mood. Like she's like, you need to surf. It's been a week. Right. Get out of here. Yeah. But anyhow, sorry to cut you off with yeah. that gentleman. I'm going to excuse myself. I don't have Jack to add to this part of the conversation. You guys are, are Thrilled. killing it right now. Thrilled Thank to have you. you. Thank <laughs> you for letting me crash. Keep Thank doing you so your work though. You keep, yeah, if yeah, you need did. to be in the room, stay in no, the room. No, no, no. I got to, I got to jam. Thank you. Okay. Boys. Everybody so subscribe. Good. Subscribe to Service Journal. Journal. Stay core. Please and thank you. We're going to keep making good (laughs) magazines, but you got to keep subscribing. Um, So anyway, so there's these two camps, right? So it's, so Elo is evangelizing to these people who are going to end up in pools and doing all this stuff, right? The, the other side, our side of this equation is not big enough to even matter. Right. And so that'll be something for, you know, I think, I think the Val apocalypse happened and the Val won, right? I think 2010 to 2020 is the 
advent to the vowel and the vowel now one, like every, in order to be, to make money or to work, uh, you know, surf companies are going to have to make product for the vowel board shapers more and more are going to have to make money for the vowel on and on and on. And, and that's fine. Right? Like we're as the, this tiny little side will carve our own way out between that, but that's all it'll be. It'll be, you know, discovering a new place that vowels haven't gone yet or, or even like I was very interested uh, on beach grip, both this, I think since we spoke last, both Derek, I think Derek went and surfed the Melbourne, new Melbourne urban surf wave pool, I think three times maybe or more. And long Tom went and surfed it. And so reading their experiences at that uh, urban surf, I was fascinated with reading it. And I think there is a place for this, you know, crusty local at the, to experience these wave pools in a way that's meaningful and that's, you know, related to our vision of surf. Yeah. But I think that the Val vision, again, I, I posted today on a beach cut this morning, I found some, you know, silly surf camp website, like a total throwaway, you know, book your surf camp here, kind of, I don't know if it was resource or what, but they listed the four greatest surfers in history. Uh, one through four. Do you, did you see this? I did not. No. Okay. So can you guess? So it's a full Val, you know, it was like surf camp blog site, full Val thing. Uh, but very representative. Okay. So who is, who are the top four? The, and it was not just top. It was the greatest surfers in history Four greatest surfers in history. Give me one through four. Laird Hamilton. Okay. Number one, I, I need him in order here. Um, I'm going to say they put Kelly Slater as number one. Okay. I think they put Laird Hamilton as number two. Okay. I have a feeling Jerry Lopez is in their awareness. So he's in there somewhere. And then John, John Florence. Okay. So you had one right. Oh yeah. You had two right, but one right in the right order. So number one, drum roll, Duke Kahanamoku. Duke Kahanamoku, the greatest surfer in history. Okay. Okay. Number two, Laird Hamilton. So we go Duke. And then Laird Hamilton is the second greatest surfer in history. Yeah. Number three is Kelly Slater. The third greatest surfer in history. Number four is Mickey Dora. The what? fourth greatest surfer in history is Mickey Dora. Yeah, there we go. I, I, I'm so surprised I, they even know the name. Yeah, but, uh, but of course they don't know the name of Jerry Lopez, right? I think Jerry Lopez, you, you have to have like some basic surf knowledge to know Jerry. Yeah. Like I bet, I bet. I think they, if they've watched, I would, I would presume they've seen the North shore. I'll bet Elo didn't know or Jerry. North shore. I bet Elo didn't know Jerry Lopez's name until a couple years ago. Yeah. I, I believe that until starting, starting work for the WS. Yeah. But he wouldn't know Mickey Dora's. No. He would learn Jerry's before Mickey's. Mickey's got like an easy name to know though. So he might've heard Mickey Dora. I bet he had never heard the name Jerry Lopez Yeah, up until starting work for the WSL. Yeah. And in any case though, like, this Val vision of surfing is totally something new. It's not, it's something tangentially related to something I understand, but no more than tangentially. Right. Right. And so this goes back to something I've said in the past, which is um, 
the positive wall of noise, the Val vision, Elo's vision for surfing is not going to ever net the goal that they're hoping to net. Like you have to actually cater to the core. You have to understand the plight that you're talking about or that kind of struggle with surf. But maybe not. Maybe Elo's vision is a whole new thing where they create, you know, cookie cutter kind of people who really have fun surfing a couple times a year and they make it easier and easier, you know, with the surf ranches eventually going to come online. Isn't it crazy that they still haven't built another one? I mean, talking about Sophie, part of Sophie's reign where uh, she brought on or, or Kelly Surf Ranch was brought on under her, under her leadership. Not that she had anything to do with it necessarily, but you know, absorbed into the World Surf League properly and then contests held there, they still only have stinking surf ranch. Right. Since the time that has been announced, there's Urban Surf, there's Waco, there's the Wave in Bristol. And I, of course, I know that Wave Garden technology had had existed before Kelly's, but they it feels they radically altered Wave Garden technology after Kelly's came on. Am I wrong in thinking that? No, you're correct. Yeah. I think the KS Wave Co. has a bunch under contract yeah, right. that are going to be built, but you're right. None, it's, none of it's them It's insane though. It's, in, it's not, it and it's not insane. like, it's not yeah. that no other wave pools, like at this point, tens of wave yeah. pools have been built, right? True. Not one other surf ranch. And so that to me is interesting. But anyway, let's assume someday another one will be built and more and more and more. And so then, you know, I don't know of a pastime uh, that kind of, came online and then was made a difficult, like imagine, I mean, we don't need any analogies here, but let's just use an analogy. Imagine that all of a sudden, you know, we were super big into the Iditarod, right? We loved mushing, the idea of mushing dogs. We'd try to get up there every once in a while and rent some Huskies and get on a slide. And it's, you know, hard, hard work. Like that's crazy, difficult, you know, you have to be really passionate, but then all of a sudden, if some billionaire got into it and bought up all the, you know, bankrupt malls and filled them with fake snow and started breeding tons of Huskies, and then it was easy to go mush Huskies, right? Where that would be a, it's a great analogy, but it would be that, right? Like where my experience <laughs> with it would be so divorced and they would be enjoying it. All the people who yeah. went to the mall and rented their, you know, whatever team of Huskies could go do it. And they would have a version of what we loved about it. Right. They'd yeah. be riding on snow being pulled by dogs. I mean, essentially all surfing is, is riding a wave on water, but there's something about, again, the experience, the, the hardship or the experience of it, uh, that makes it different that makes. And so, so it's just, they'd be two separate things where I, I understand what the Val is yeah. doing. And so back to your point though, of needing to appeal to the core, I think all Elo needs to do is start building more wave pools and appeal if he can to get more people to go experience surfing. Right. Which, and, and by all like Derek said, and long Tom has said too, I think that Melbourne pool is packed. I think right. it is so success. And so is, by the Waco. way, the Waco one in the middle of the wintertime, people are wearing full suits and hoods. Exactly. Yeah. And so if this, you know, kind of surfing is growing and if Elo can grow this and, and get those guys to actually, you know, and of course I'm sure there's some real business model of, okay, it's coming to the Olympics and you and I both know, and everybody else knows or of <laughs> who thinks like us, I guess that it's going to be, unless there's a typhoon, it is going to be awful, right? I mean, yeah. it's going to, it's going to make Huntington beach look like 
a pretty great contest where it's going to be, who's the little Japanese guy? Kanoa? Uh, no, the littler one. Uh, the, the like tiny one who the, he won Huntington. Oh yeah. Um, Hiroto Ohara. Her, yeah. Hiroto. It'll be Hiroto like a midget hopping down a four inch wave uh, with commentators saying things that don't resonate at all exactly, to the yeah, people yeah. at home. I'd imagine that's how it's going to be. Again, there's always a chance there's going to be a typhoon, but I think they're building, they're going to build off at least name recognition. I don't think Elo necessarily cares. I think we think, oh, it's going to be the death, right? Right there. Like people are going to see what it actually is and they're going to tune out. I don't think Elo cares. Elo needs name recognition. He needs surfing, 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 just people thinking surfing. And then surfing's in my mind. Oh, here's a, you know, there's a new wave pool. I'm going to take the kids to the wave pool. Like I just took my daughter yesterday. We were up in, um, squaw for a week after Christmas and fan, you know, she loves to ski. I, I love snowboarding so much. It's super fun. It's the funnest thing to do ever with her. Like there's nothing I would rather do than be on the snow with her. Uh, but they had a ice rink up there and she went ice skating for, I think the first time in her life and she was awful at it, but she loved it for some reason. I don't know what she, I hate ice skating, but she loved it. So I took her yesterday to, there's a ice, ice rink in Carlsbad. Uh, I took her there after school and loved it again. But looking at the people in that ice rink and all that, it's like a totally different world, right? Yeah. Like ice skating people are bizarro. But uh, so, so, but I, I could, I could totally see a mom whose kid watched surfing on the Olympics. She says, oh, well, there's a wave pool down the street. She takes her kid. She sits there. None of it makes sense to her. Her kid splashes and likes it and has fun and plays. And then all of a sudden there's a, you know, new surfer coming online. Yeah. Like, and he, with a totally different experience, exactly the same experience my daughter would have ice skating. She doesn't know the culture, doesn't know anything about it, just has fun doing it. I see everything you're saying. I'm not convinced that any of those analogies are accurate or apt. Like, Except for the Husky one. Not, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the reality is what's going to, for all of the, there's a million variables that need to fall into place for if that is Elo's vision that you're painting for that to actually happen. The number one thing is for the financial model for these wave pools to get actually fleshed out. We're not convinced that any of them actually work yet. Are you we sure? Are seen, you, no, no. I thought Waco was working. Waco is funded by a guy who had a bunch, enough money to build a water park in the middle of Waco. You know, he's not doing it for profit. So yeah, he's filling it up, but we don't know. He doesn't need to see a return on that profit, presumably, because he didn't for the previous wave. You don't think wave was, gardens are profitable? I think wave gardens I, have to be I profitable. don't know. I don't know. But the the point is we don't know yet. Yeah. And it's, by the way, it hasn't been long enough for it to even be profitable. Maybe sure. they have projections for profit, but we haven't seen that yet. So the other thing is surfing is so much harder than all those other things that you're talking about. It's not hard. It's not much harder than ice skating, I don't think. Dude, it's so much harder than ice skating. Ice skating. I mean, ice skating, you can get on, you, I guess, and glide. Okay. You can, granted, on your granted. first day of ice skating, you, you can, can do a couple That's of laps. true. That's surfing, true. you can't. That's true. So I think- Right now, those pools, even Waco, are being filled with people who know how to surf, are going there for the novelty for the most part. Okay, here you go, though. Uh, I will say that surfing a beach break is way more difficult than ice skating. Surfing Waikiki is easier than ice skating. You Not get, easier than ice skating. You can get pushed into a wave at Waikiki and be standing up on your first try. On, surfing a, on a large enough board, sure. you, you probably could, but that's not what we're doing in wave pools. Totally. But somebody will make a Waikiki setting eventually. Come learn to surf. It'll be Waikiki setting. Okay. It'll just be a big roar and people will be pushed in and then they'll you know gradually ramp up to do whatever they want so to do. So for that pool, you need a giant footprint. Sure. And then you would need 
to have as many people in the pool as you have on the ice skating rink for the math to work out. But that's, but I mean, I, I'm just saying the math hasn't been figured out yet. Sure. But I'm saying that it's, it's like, theoretically it's there. So who has the deep enough pockets to see this thing to fruition? And we've seen other things. Maybe it's the, why is the Kelly Slater wave pool there in the first place? It was a water ski, water ski thing, right? Which was going to be huge. And then it went away. So there's been plenty of bubbles that have burst in the past in other industries. I'm not saying this is going to, I'm saying it could. Sure. So it's, it's risky for ELO to pursue that model, or there's just a lot of variables that are going to need to fall into place for the model to come together. And I don't think it, any of it is better than the ocean. Like, even if we look at other sports where there's been this uh, flashpoint, you know, motocross. So used to ride in the desert and in the mountains and places out. And now we have supercross. Even that, there's not the financial outlay that there is to build a pool because they can just take over Angel Stadium, put a bunch of dirt in, and then take it all away next week and have a baseball game there. So rock climbing... You know, you have indoor gyms, you have out, but aren't, aren't indoor rock gyms like every even mid-sized town I feel has now a climbing, a climbing wall. And I feel that all kinds of people do it. I don't, I don't, but I feel that that's like a, they've turned rock climbing into a fully going concern. Way less expensive to build out. And then you can sell tons of memberships for people who never come and show up at the facility. Sure. So that would be something, but you're right. That would be something for wave pools to look at is get into the membership game and hope and pray nobody shows up. I mean, I'm sure they will at some level too, right? Yeah. Oh, what did I, oh, I just heard. Oh, funny. So we have the, uh, for skiing the, or it's the icon pass. Have you heard of the icon pass? I love the idea of the icon pass. Yeah. So icon pass is phenomenal, right? Where what's happening though, I think with the icon pass, it's a membership, uh, annual membership for a bunch of different mountains, precisely annual membership for a bunch of different mountains. What's happening though, is on good days, uh, at good mountains, they, there are too many people. And so mountains are start starting to limit the amount of people that can come in because it's just, Icon Pass worked too well, yeah. I think, at some level. Yeah. They're going to have to have blackout dates and that sort they, of thing. Yeah, and, the, and they do already, but the, there's going to be, you know, the black, I think there's only, what's well, like two weeks of blackout or something, but they're going to have to figure that out more and more and more and more because it's, yeah. Or, uh, or we, create different tiers of Icon Pass. Yeah. I cheap mean, one that has a lot of blackouts. and For sure. And that's what yeah. they'll, that's what they'll do, I, no doubt. But it's interesting that, it, yeah, uh, to your point, I guess, the subscription model where nobody shows up is the, is the best model for everyone well, or for companies. I mean. So I, I've heard um, mem- gyms sell 11 times their capacity. Yeah. That's the number that they operate at. Where if everybody was going to show up one day, which I'm sure day after New Year's or whatever, yeah, exactly. they have to fully staff up and probably bring new machines in and all that, knowing that they'll get yeah. rid of them in a week. But there's for, not enough parking for yeah, everybody. For either. that one minute, you have yeah. to look like you have the capacity for everything you sold. Um, so really, I think the question is, with what we're talking about Elo's vision is what's the time there's a back end to this timeline. He needs to execute this by a certain date. Otherwise Dirk is going to pull money. I don't see. So I see this being they're ramping up for acquisition in the future. I don't think that this is an 20 year project that Dirk wants to fund for that period of time. I like you calling him Durf now. I know. That's <laughs> By the way, CeeLo. CeeLo is really, really CeeLo's funny. CeeLo is the best CeeLo is title. so funny. But uh, I, I totally agree that it's, it's being built to sell. But also the best way to do that, I think, and what 
CeeLo is doing and has been doing is the easiest way to show growth is by uh, not participation because how can you ever gauge those numbers, but by simply simple eyeballs, right? And yeah. so I'm sure that viewership, I'm sure they figured out a way to make viewership go up on those contests, selling the show to ABC. So at some point they're going to say, hey, look, at we have X amount of uniques. You know, we have X amount of YouTube views. We have X amount of Facebook likes. We have like all of the... Um, what the, the markers of success in media, those they can tick those boxes, which is why it's a media company now yeah. that happens to have a surf contest component. It has a cir circus. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's a five-year plan. Yeah. I think Zerk. <laughs> Zerk. <laughs> Durf. Durf. Durf's uh, plan is five years. It's like, here's the deadline. Let's get it to these numbers and try to get out of this thing. Do you think... And that's a huge get for Elo. BC, he did it for Oprah. Yep. This, I mean, this is exactly what his design is. I did it for Oprah in a 10-year span. I did it for an entire sport. In a five-year span. Yeah. And then he can write his own ticket from that point. Uh, the problem with that is, I mean, I'm curious. I have a couple curiosities here. Uh, where does Elo go after this? You'd think that this would be his ideal job, right? I mean, from his at least public-facing persona, uh, you know, pre-World Surf League, there was still hundreds upon hundreds of photos of him supping, right? So he very clearly likes this. I'm sure he very clearly likes to be involved in the lifestyle, being I'm sure he feels very good when he goes to a party or a restaurant or whatever and is introduced as the CEO of the World Surf League. Uh, what's your what's your move after that if you're, if you're CeeLo? Disney, Amazon. Yeah, okay. Where doesn't he go after this? He could serve on five different boards. Okay, okay. So that's where CeeLo goes. Dirk, but is it CeeLo or CeeLo? Ooh. Because like CEO. Yeah, CeeLo. CeeLo. I just like the CeeLo Green so much. Like CeeLo, was that his name? CeeLo Green? Yeah. The little yeah. Brown, brown guy? I love that dude. Yeah, it's with his cat. He's such a good look. Yeah. Um. So yeah, CeeLo just sounds like the guy that you're talking about, but CeeLo yeah. is a more of a reference to his position. Let's put it out to the listeners. We will call him either CeeLo or CeeLo. Vote, where Where can people vote easily? Um, Instagram. Can you, okay. Set up an Instagram story uh, with a... With a vote? Yeah. Okay, so vote on Instagram. It'll be either, name him moving forward, either CeeLo or CeeLo. I like CeeLo. I, I totally hear you, but I just love having the picture in my mind of CeeLo Green. We can still use that photo. <laughs> But uh, thanks to the comment section, by the way. Yeah, very, very funny. Very, very funny. God, how good was uh, Carl's? Oh, so good. KVF's um, prediction for what this podcast would be like. It was spot on. Yeah, but also really hurtful. Yeah. Like it was searing. I, I, my feelings got hurt. Yeah. And how accurate it was. I mean, it was like he didn't, he didn't overstep. Accurate. He just nailed it. And then I'm like, Oh shoot. That's exactly what we're going to say. Yeah. Or exactly what we would have said. Yeah. Exactly what we did say. Probably zinged me, dude. Yeah. Good uh, job. KVF. Yeah. Way to keep it honest. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, but okay. So CeeLo goes there. Dirk says what? Like I rescued Dirk doesn't care who knows what, what goes on in a billionaire's brain anyway. Right. Like who knows what his impulses are and his drives are. And maybe he's just bored and this is maybe needs the loss. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So whatever, can't can't speak for Dirk because don't even know how a billionaire thinks. But uh, CeeLo, yeah. So, yeah. So all to say, are you looking forward to this year? I mean, do yes. you, is, yeah, I mean, in terms of the tour, sure. Are you looking forward to, oh, here's what I was going to say. Uh, okay. 
you would think, and maybe again, I know transition time and you know, he was whatever transition regime change, bloodless coup, all of it. Um, okay. Pipe ends, right? The world surf league website basically went dead. All their content, mm-hmm. as far as I could tell, basically went dead. Uh, to your point, I guess, CeeLo, CeeLo could have been prepping for this transition from the moment he took over the job, basically becoming CEO. You would think, though, as the president of content media and studios, what happens when the season ends for Major League Baseball, for National Basketball League Association, for National Football League? They ramp up content like crazy to keep you engaged, right? Whether it is free agency or a draft or something, there is like a substantial turning up of the heat after the, after the season ends. And then at least an attempt to maintain interest during the off season, right? Yeah. For some reason, even though he had a year to prep for this, at least a year, not only did the mics get turned off, the, Cameras got turned off. The, the door was closed. Off. Everything was off. It was just like done. Okay. It was yay pipe. It was a phenomenal pipe. Right. And w- which it was a phenomenal final day of professional surfing. Then they turned out their lights, turned out the lights on the way out the door, yeah. which I didn't understand that at all. So if you're making a media company and if that's your stated goal or, or you're even the, that's what it is now, right? The world surf league is a media company with a tour component. Why wouldn't you have had like, a bunch of stuff ready to go, you know, it didn't have to be long or, or special, but it, it seems crazy to me that there was, it was crickets. Yeah. No, crickets. It is crazy. Uh, it's too much to do with not enough staff to do it. But, I feel like we're going to see that next year, but that's the problem is I feel they're crazily overstaffed. If you're a media company and you're, you're, yeah. so if you're but a media, reallocating staff from the tours and events into the media company side of the business. But if you're a media company and literally your only success, because I'm going to say right here for the record, like I said, a lot of times it was an abysmal failure on the media front, right? Transformed is shit. Everything was half baked and crappy. Everything they did, their one success was in terms of any, recognizable success was selling reality surfer, whatever it's called to ABC. Right. Mm -hmm. So they, I mean, which is going to be a bomb. Sure. But the the Kelly Slater thing was dog shit boring. Yeah. Right. The, uh, so they sold ABC surfer. Now, if you're a media company that sells a show to a network, that's like a major deal, right? I mean, for any selling any, a show to anybody is a major deal for a media company, but a media company has, five or six employees, right? And so this media company, how many people, you've been in the WSL offices more than me probably, how many people work in Santa Monica? 40, 50? I'd say 50 to 100. 50 to 100, not counting the people who are, you know, bringing the tour every day. Right. And so you have a, again, media company makes a show, sells a show, or they don't make the show, but who sells a show has four to five employees, right? 10 max. So they are like at least five times bigger than any other media company where I don't see how you sustain that. I don't know how there's not going to be mass layoffs on the media side where you pare it down to the 10 people you need plus have a fairly skeleton uh, crew to run the events. It's more akin to Red Bull. Yeah, but Red Bull's selling energy drinks. 
But what I mean is if you go to Red Bull Media House in Santa Monica, there's hundreds and hundreds of people. But, but a lot of people, I mean, I know that's, that's probably covering a lot of different sports. Though. Precisely. Yeah. And I know that that is now just media house. There's the can business is not being run out of that office anymore, yeah. but there's a bunch of different sports and a yeah, bunch yeah. of different things and a bunch of different events. Right. right. Cause like those events now come under the media banner. Right. And so they are the, you know, airplane races and the whatever, like the flu tog. Yeah. The, all of it, all yeah. of it, jumping and figuring out how to jump another guy out of space, all that stuff where world surf league sold one show. They sold one show. Right. They made a bunch of dogs or not even a bunch. They made a couple shitty web series. Yeah. I think it's all reflective of just being in transition, transitioning identity, but how long so that, but they've transitioned, they've been transitioning identity from the moment that it got purchased from or purchased that it got rolled over into the WSL. The moment it's a new identity now than it was then though. Like there's I, no, that's it, had four new identities exactly. from now. Since yeah, exactly. So at some point, what is your identity and where are you going to stick and then grow from there? Well, I don't think that Sophie had a vision for the identity. And I think Elo maybe is the guy who's come in with a really kind of sharp focus on what the vision should be. So, Sophie's, so now this is that. And again, but, but, but your characterization of Sophie as the, as a, you know, get her done CEO mm -hmm. where she got her done more or less though, was on the tour side of stuff. Correct. The tour side now is not only not important, important to the world surf league. It's like the tertiary thing they're thinking about. Right. Or yeah. the, and so where, so Basically, you had a CEO who did something on a product that no longer is your viable product, right? right? It'd be like if whatever, you know, I mean, we don't need any more analogies in this show, but but you know what I'm talking about. And so just this perpetual changing focus uh, now, because so this is the focus. Now it's content. You know, when is the focus going to shift again? Yeah. And to what? I don't think they have enough, um, uh, I don't know, runway for Dirk to be interested to do another shift. Yeah. I think this might be the final stand. This one is major last go we at it. We are a media company. I think so. I think uh, it's gotta be. So if the World Surf League came to you tomorrow and said, okay, so there's a lot of transition, a lot of transition. David Lee Scales, we now recognize that your podcast network is the, you know, largest or whatever in in surfing. So we would like to you to come in house. What do you say? I would be totally open to the conversation. Okay. Yeah. I don't, I think that we could benefit one another. Yeah. yeah. But, but if they said, but in house, you are an employee now of the world, you know, we buy the rights to whatever, like we could work some back end thing for your, for your catalog, not opposed to the concept, but there'd be a lot of figuring out to do. Okay. Yeah. But, but not opposed to the concept you'd have not opposed to the concept. And I'm not, anti WSL, you know, yeah, yeah. like I want the WSL to thrive. And if I feel like I could help it in some way, I would be more than happy to help it in some way. See, I guess that's where I'm, I've jumped off. Yeah. And I, uh, if they said, Hey, love, I mean, to, to buy beach grit, I would insist they paid such a silly amount that I could start something it else. Would that change, wouldn't mock it. I agree with you because it would just change the DNA of beach grit. There's no chance that they would buy beach grit and say, keep doing exactly what you're doing. Sure. But, but at this point, I just think, you know, again, I did not feel this way last year. I thought there's a way for us all to, right. to coexist and to, to what you said to benefit each other to, you know, I'll help make your dumb wall of positive noise, less egregious you'll help us get eyeballs. You know, we'll, we'll tell better stories about this thing. We both love 
et cetera, et cetera. Now, nope, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. I am, I am a disbeliever in the World Surf League. And again, I will consume their product from across the street whilst doing whatever I want to do, whether right. it's throwing rocks or praising or whatever it is. But yeah, I'm diametrically opposed. Um, we need to acknowledge that yesterday, Hurley let go 60 employees. 60 more. 60 more. Yeah. In part of this Blue Star Alliance deal. Um, but that was, a, I mean, I, I, writing was on the wall. Stab and everybody's reporting this like it's new. The, the second that Blue Star Alliance took over that, that, that was it. It was yeah. a wrap. Nike sold Hurley to cutthroat license-based Garmentos. That's what that company is. That's, there's, there's no hope of them maintaining the DNA of Hurley or anything. Like it's over. Have you ever been fired from a job? Uh, I've been asked not I've, <laughs> to ever come back into I, the building. I've been asked or <laughs> been, yeah, I taught fifth grade for a year. And at the end, the principal said, let's just both agree that this is not a good fit. <laughs> Did that seem agreeable to you? Oh yeah. I okay. mean, I wasn't coming back anyway. So yeah. Um, were you crestfallen? No, but okay. I mean, that's so, yeah, no, I've never been, I've never been fired from a job. I have a feeling the people who lost their job yesterday are, despite maybe seeing the writing on the wall, are bummed out today. Do you have any condolences that you would like to offer up? No, any I, advice for how to pick up and move forward? I think it's, I, I've never been fired, so I don't have any advice, but I think it's a real mixed bag. I think people got uh, severances. So it wasn't just like, you know, so I think right, that, right, I think right. there was negotiated severances and I think some people are probably happier with their severances than other people. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think the emotion runs the gamut from depression to the, to, you know, being elated, but the problem is for all of it. So Hurley was again, the big tent and Bob, I think built something phenomenal. I think Bob Hurley straddled somehow this weird magical space between corporately right on, you know, corporately viable and maintaining this kind of real surf core DNA thing. And so Hurley existed, I feel as this big tent, uh, in the surf landscape, right? Like yeah. Billabong had its problems. Quicksilver had its problems. They joined, they're still trying to work it out, but it's, you know, it's, that also is a going concern, but it's, it's hard yards there. Right. Yep. Uh, then who, I mean, who else you have, you have O'Neill who, the license part of O'Neill to, to uh, La Jolla group and all that was just, you know, it's messy and rotten. La Jolla still, or Hurley or O'Neill still had, you know, like it's core wetsuit, whatever division and stuff, but you know, mixed up and difficult. I think with rip curl selling to uh Catman do group, who knows what that'll be like, but the surf industry struggling, trying, struggling, trying, struggling. Hurley was, you know, for years and years and years, Hurley was the, the, light on the hill. Yep. The thing that worked. And for that to implode, implode. I don't know who, where that talent gets absorbed. The, well, that, I don't know where the surf was, talent gets absorbed. I don't know where the creative talent gets absorbed. I don't know where any of that. Cause again, I think from Hurley's R and D on down, Hurley was phenomenal, right? They mm -hmm. had phenomenal people working there. I think they made phenomenal products. They did phenomenal a phenomenal surf job. Team. Phenomenal surf team. So, it was it was A plus so across the board. The answer is that talent is going to be absorbed by non-endemic brands. So they'll all just go out and get 
jobs in regular clothing. And so will the professional surfers. Courtney Conlog, uh, this is news, um, has a deal with Ralph Lauren. Yep. Polo. Julian Wilson is being courted by Lululemon, who already has Malia Manuel. Yep. Um, so those are the relationships that I think we're going to see in the future. Certainly the creative team that lost their jobs yesterday, graphic designers and that sort of stuff, they can find work anywhere. Um, I don't think the surf industry is going to employ surfers that much more no, moving well, forward. Well, and by the way, I'm kind of okay with it. Sure. Like but if, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, but like, I think for people to think the one-to-one between a Ralph Lauren and a uh, Hurley, I bet Ralph Lauren will pay Courtney Conlog um, a, a one fifth of what she was being paid by Hurley. And you think, Oh, it's a bigger company. Those, those deals are tiny and not good. I think she's going to get paid more. No, no. I, I, I know for a fact. Really? Yeah. It's, it is like, yeah. I mean, I can't sp- speak to, I can't speak to Courtney, yeah. but in general from behind the scenes, these bigger companies, uh, that's not how they work. And those deals are way shorter at way less dollars. Okay. Way insanely which, less. Which I'm also okay with, sure. by the way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it's just being a professional surfer will no longer be a career path. Well, the model has to shift completely. The, w, the WSL is going to, like we discussed previously, probably going to have to pick up some of the tab. I don't. Um, I just don't know that they will. I don't know that the WSL cares. I think that how many- Well, if they want the best surfers in the world surfing in their events, they're going to have to compensate them. But the problem is that there's no- Sure, but where else is even a surfer going to get paid full stop? You know, Red Bulls Cape Fear event, Volcom Pipe Pro. They're not going to pay him enough money to. I mean, those won't be the best surfers in the world. I think the best surfers are stuck with the WSL, especially stuck since they signed a damn ten-year contract, and that'll be it, right? Like maybe they'll raise prize money a bit to throw them that bone or pay the you know last place more, like raise the entire pool. Yeah. But there is no way they're salarying out those guys. Dude, it's an opportunity. If they don't, if they just say, hey, there's no other competition, so we're going to let it see where things, let's see where things sure, fall. Sure, there's, there's a major opportunity for another, for a Rebel Tour. No, but I think it's also an opportunity for the WSL to say, hey, we can really stake our claim here and offer them legitimate money, have, like we've talked about forever, fewer surfers on tour, pay heavyweight bout, John John Florence versus Gabriel Medina. Well, and what, I mean, what I could see happening theoretically there is sign them all to media deals, right? Where, so yeah, you have- The more pay-per-views that sell, the more money you make. You have that, but you also have them contracted to three shows per year and all that kind of stuff, right? So you have John John and Medina in their heavyweight bout, plus they have to do, leading up to that, you know, X amount of hours of- interview and all that kind of stuff where you're just owning the rights to surfers now mm-hmm. as opposed to owning the rights to events. Yeah. I think it, to be honest, I kind of like the idea of this new world order and I, and I kind of like the idea of non endemic brands sponsoring surfers. I like the money being spread out in more places. I think it's part of why I like it is because it leaves a lot of room for actual surf brands to have a foothold again and start to start to thrive because they're not competing with Hurley. I mean, that's what I was thinking. You know, there's, there's less place for them to compete anyway. I mean, surf shops are going out of business is a still a record clip, but, uh, the, I feel like, you know, the dark seas, the, um, what even salty crew, the, I mean, salty crew is almost legitimately big at this point. So to, talk about them as a niche surf brand seems silly, but you know, all of those. And definitely, I think there's going to be 
more space now for a tidy little million to $2 million business surf companies. Awesome. Great. Fantastic. Love it. I would hope that some of those early employees go out and start some cool new thing, you know, and nobody's going to get rich from it, but maybe you can, you know, feed your family and do do good enough. Yeah. And And make good product and support local. You back to the heavyweight bout thing. You, you talk about UFC here quite a bit, obviously. I watched the greatest pet press conference. I mean, I rarely, rarely watch, rarely watch UFC and, you know, even less rarely, even more rarely consume, you know, whatever, anything UFC. But, uh, I saw Ocho, Chad Ocho Cinco. Do you remember Chad Johnson, Bengals yeah. receiver, uh, was somehow got his press card and was a reporter at the, uh, which is amazing, right? At, at the cowboy and at uh, the cowboy McGregor and way? McGregor press conference. So Ocho Cinco stands up and asks a question to Connor and is basically as press, his question is, look at, I'm going to throw money on this thing. Uh, give me some indication that I should put it on you. Like I'm not seeing That's it. That's a great question. Fantastic question. Connor had a really funny answer. Dana White was there being funny. Cowboy was funny. The whole thing was funny. And I thought, how in the world did fighting like brutal fighting steal the humor and the joy and all of it from surfing? How does surfing not have, instead of erecting the wall of positive noise, why not do something like that yeah. where you have total wild cards? Like Chad Ochocinco is such a wild card. So funny. To give him his press credentials to cover the event. I mean, they're going to... So again, I'm not a fan of the UFC. They made me a fan. Yeah. Uh, like they engaged me. And if I don't know why, again, yeah, like now I'm helping Stinkin' so Elo funny. figure out his model. But if they did stuff like that, if you had Medina and John John up on stage right? Uh, and you had CeeLo, I guess, behind being the Dana White. And then you had like random weird press in there asking whatever question they felt like without any kind of filter. I, I'd want to watch that. That's Who's, funny. Who's uh, Ochocinco working for? I don't know. He didn't, it didn't, I didn't hear his, uh, his outlet who he was <laughs> reporting for, but I'm sure some blog so or some magazine or, you know, someone yeah. Paid Ocho Cinco to cover the fight. It's so funny. How great is that though? Really great. Yeah. Um, we're running short on time. We got to get out of here. Okay. Um, we, we're going to skip love hurts. Let, let's do it real quick. I got a good one for you. Do you really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, love hurts is brought to us. Speaking of non-endemic sponsor dollars, manscaped.com. It's a beautiful company. It's a beautiful product. Yeah. Suite of products. So they, um, we're going to actually give away one of their greatest products. It's the lawnmower. The lawnmower uh, is, it has skin safe technology. Make sure you don't nick yourself anywhere. It's waterproof, so you could use it in the shower. It is for grooming below the belt, precision engineered tools for your family jewels. We're going to give away a lawnmower to Zimond. He is deserves it Zimond it. or Zimondi? I think it'd be Zimond. Zimond, who won the WSL's Fantasy Surf League. World Surf League's Fantasy Surfer won the entire thing. Beat yeah. everyone. So you published this story on Beach Grid. He beat everyone and the WSL didn't give him anything. Nothing. They didn't promise. There was no promise at the beginning that if you win, we're going to give you something. And then they didn't pay. That's not what happened. He just won, beat out everybody and thought, hey, shouldn't there be a prize attached to this? And Maybe a trip to pipeline for the end of the and year. And he wasn't Maybe. even thinking monetary or, or or physical. He was thinking like even just like a call from somebody or a, hey, good job. A tweet, a tweet from Dirk. A, 
a tweet from Dirk. I mean, they could have posted a, something on the World Surf League website that said, hey, you know, meet the winner. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. Nothing. They, the WSL in lieu or in place of the WSL um, giving something, you and I are getting Manscaped to step up and we will ship Zimond a lawnmower. Zimond. Lawnmower 2.0. So yeah. Zimond, do you have his contact info? I do. Okay, perfect. Yep. Give it to me or get a hold of him, get his address and I'll ship it to him. Zimond, you're getting presents. He got a Beach Grit t-shirt and, or a couple, I think, and air freshener too. Beautiful. So Zimond is- So you're going to be looking good and you're going to be hygienically groomed. It is per- the win-win. And listeners, if you want any Manscaped product, use surfing as the promo code. You'll get 20% off and free shipping. Looks like the Coffee Sisters are sponsored by Manscaped now too. They posted Instagrams. Really? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. But don't use their, I don't know what their promo code is. Don't use it. Use our surfing. But that makes me so happy that we're in a sponsorship team with the Coffee Sisters. We're on the same team. Yes. Yes. Oh, it's so exciting. That is very exciting. That's my story today. All right, well, let's do a quick Love Hurts. This is a real quick one, real quick one. This is really important though for you and for the listeners. So, um, okay, Uh, David Lee Scales in a relationship now, but he knows that. Um, He was previously playing the uh, app game, the Tinder. No, Hinge. Hinge, sorry. I was plowing left, plowing right. Plowing right, plowing right on Hinge. But now he's a... Taken, man. Yep. But here's the question for you, David Lee Scales. Okay. Uh, so this is this is more related to your current situation. Uh, so happy in love. Are you in love? Yes. In love. You go to your steady's house and m- meet the parents. Right. Mom is four ten, three fifty. Oof. Dad is like really messed up genetically. Like, however, you know, fat, short, whatever, however, like real bad genes. You look at family pictures, brothers and sisters, hideous, hideous creatures, all of them. Mom's mean, dad stinks. It's just bad. She's, yours is beautiful, wonderful. Do you have second thoughts? Do you, does your finger linger on the plowing the bad way, the right, what, is it right that's bad? Right is good. Oh, plowing left. Do you, are you thinking about plowing left at this point? Yeah, yeah, very much so. They're, those are all undeniable indicators of either the future for your spouse or your children's future. I'm glad you're thinking that way. Yeah. It's, an, it's, I don't think enough people think about that. I it's think people, absolutely. I think people think, oh, I got the, I got the gem of the family, no. but all that's there. It's uh, undeniable and more important, more kind of to the point. I want my spouse to have great relationships with her family. And I want that family to be healthy and happy and all those things. So they can, you know, we all live in harmony together, sure. but in the scenario that you just painted, there's a second part of me that is like, ooh, create some distance, create healthy exactly. boundaries, like stay away from your family. It would be way and so w- those two ideals in my head would be in conflict. It would be way worse if she and let's say in this scenario, she's great friends with them. It's like yeah. nightly. And I'm like, games. these people are a part of our life forever moving on. Yeah. I don't know that I can navigate this. Even though you're in love. Yeah. It's hard. No. But I'm glad your head's right. Yeah. There. Yeah. Good. Good good news is in the real scenario here. Uh, her family is great. Okay. So I Good don't have you. to deal with that. Good for but you. Thank you for forcing me through that exercise so You're that welcome. I could 
view my life with a little bit more silver lining. You can feel even better now. So plow left on that scenario. The plow is also one of the Manscaped products. So the straight razor. So good one, Chaz. Um, we're going to rush through Barrel or Nas yeah. real quick. Because so, we've got Dane from Vulcan coming in here for a podcast interview. Dane makes fantastic surfboards. I have a Dane board. Do Me too. Yeah. He's probably standing outside the door listening in, eavesdropping. I have two Dane boards. How many do you have? One. My big wave gun is a Dane Hans. What is that for six foot surf? Think it, yeah, it's like probably, for, I take it out when it's like four to six. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Big. All right. Uh, barrel or not? Car edition. Vanity plates. Like vanity pl- plates for your car? Yep. Oh, barrel. Okay. These, these are like where it spells out sure. something. It's always fun to figure out what it is. I mean, even if it's totally dumb. And I would never do one personally, but I enjoy other people getting them because it, every single time you try to piece out what it's saying. And then you think about the person who decided to get that right. Went through the effort of paying the extra money without that. Like the, the highway would be a sea of bland. Okay. But with that, it's always a little fun when you see a vanity plate. All right. If you, if you had to get a vanity plate, would you get SRF S SRF S P L no, no, I would not. S, yeah, it's Sir Splendor is hard to get. I'm gonna, I would get C Elo. Yeah, that's what I would get. That's a good one. Yeah. Probably taken. Yep. Um, probably taken by what kind of vehicle? What does C Elo drive? I wonder if you can. If you can, he drives a Tesla. For oh, sure. for sure, he for drives sure a Tesla. Tesla. He drives a Tesla. I know he drives one of those whatevers around the. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's Instagrams of his fake car, his uh, dune buggy thing, modern. Oh, dumb dune buggy. I don't know. Like a golf cart one? Those, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know why I, took, why I called a golf cart a modern dumb dune buggy. <laughs> That's a South Bay vehicle. Um, barrel or nah, sprinter vans? Uh, I'm going to say nah. Okay. I think it's there's just too many of them at this point. I, I saw, and to be honest, I've never been inside a sprinter van where I thought this is comfortable. It always feels way too narrow. Really? Yeah. Like I, think- I, would, ju- I would just get an RV. If I was into the sprinter thing and I know people think they're cool, but it all, have you been in one where you thought, Oh, this is not only is this practical, this is comfortable. If you're going to go that big, go a little bit bigger and get a stinking Winnebago. But the, the sprinter van, you can park in a regular parking spot. I mean, I'm not talking about a huge RV. I'm talking about like the Winnebago. That's basically a van. It's a little bigger than a van. Yeah. It's like, I mean, it's like my dumb iPhone. It's like just a little bit bigger. I'm so proud of you, by the way, for getting a new phone. Yes. That's awful. I so Chaz it. has an iPhone, like most other human beings listening to this podcast, but the one that he had before this for had, years was the iPhone four is the yeah, it's the SE, but is the four. Okay. Yeah. So it's tiny. Like it, it's funny that that is only from three years ago, probably, yeah. but to me, it looked like a relic from a different dec- decade or, you know, I'm so sad with my new phone. Are De- you depressed every Why? night? Cause I can't text with one hand. I don't, what happened to humanity where they thought we need to make a phone that's too big for one hand attack. I don't have small hands. Do I have small hands, David? No, you don't. But I was always worried with your other phone that like if I sent an emoji that it wouldn't go through. Or if I sent a photo, you wouldn't be able to get it. Yeah, I could see that fear. But I don't know why they can't make a good phone that I can have and use with one hand. Yeah. It's awful. Yeah. Well, I just, I mean, I have a newer phone, but it's not the giantest one. I mean, mine isn't the the most giant. Mine is the smallest one they make of the 11. I was just, I was so tired of being, I've been on the back end of technology forever. And not that I wanted to be on the front end for any other reason that I just want to have whatever phone I have now for the next 10 years. Yeah. I don't like to swap out my technology. Fair enough. Um, 
final, we're not going to do a final barrel or not. I'm just going to do a PSA. Do it. Put, when you're putting surfboards on the top of your car, on the rack, upside down and backwards is the way to do it. Of course. Period. Of course. More often than not, I swear to you, the, the norm now is to have them- Frontward. Frontward. Upside down, frontward. Sometimes upside down, sometimes not, but frontward is the norm that it's I It's because now. people think it's more aerodynamic. You want to know why? It's so not. But you want to know what I heard about this too that made sense to me and is probably a total wives tale? That the tail of the board is obviously stronger and you don't want your nose like- knifing into the wind because if it's gusty or whatever, your nose, your board could maybe break off. It's totally wives tale. Huh? I don't think it'll break off, but it's not more aerodynamic to have the nose forward. Like the nose has more rocker in it. So it's going to push air. Yeah. Oh, you're so right. Right. You think so, but more importantly is that it's a slippery surface being held by the strap. So it could slide out without the fins catching it. So just very logically you would put the fins in front of to block it from sliding back in case the straps aren't tight enough. Thanks for the PSA. Dude. I totally agree with you. It, I, it's in, I see it yeah. every single day and it drives me insane. It really frustrates you me too. You do not have to be a rocket scientist to understand that your nose, the right way to do it. That your nose is going to break if you put it forward. <laughs> <laughs> Upside down and backwards for everybody listening within the sound of my voice. All right. Thanks to manscaped.com promo code surfing. Fantastic product. Chaz and I in business and then Surfing Heritage and Culture Center, where the Surfer Journal comes to get their assets and do their research. And where they do have a Duke Kahanamoku board, more than one, I in think fact. Four. Yeah. yeah. And so if you are a Val who happens to listen and know that Duke Kahanamoku is your number one most important historical surfer of all time, you can come see his board and a Mickey Dora board, number four. I'm sure they also have a Laird board in there they and do. a Kelly board. Lots of Kelly boards I've seen. Boom. All right, Chaz, beachgrit.com. Where else can people find you? On Instagram? On Instagram, it's Surf Journalist. All right. Well, I will see you next week. Until then, get barrel. Yeah.